Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. And uh, hello, I'm Toby Moffat. And I'm Abigail Amajola, and this is November 4th. This new Welcome show. Everybody. Go ahead. This, this new show, November 4th, is our attempt to prompt a citizen's dialogue on what happens on the day after Donald Trump is defeated. Um, over the coming weeks and the coming months, um, we will, with this new and exciting platform called Chindig, listen to what our fellow Americans have to say about not only rebuilding the country in a post-Trump world, but also reimagining what America can be moving forward. That's right. So the day after the election, we're we did a show last week, by the way, maybe some of you saw it, about what if Trump doesn't go, but we're going to assume for purposes of this show that uh, he loses and he loses substantially by a substantial margin. And so on the day after, we start not just to rebuild, but to reimagine across a whole number of issues, climate change, immigration, uh, racial justice, uh, income inequality, uh, um, and a number of others. And, and the, the issue that we want to start reimagining about today is, is really what's happened to our system of justice and the and the department that's supposed to lead that system of justice, the, the Justice Department, and the extent to which it's become corrupted uh, by Bill Barr and his, and his boss, the President of the United States. So uh, this is what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, how do we reimagine a new Justice Department, a new Attorney General, uh, a return to the rule of law? So we have just the right guest here to lead us in that discussion today. First, the member of Congress who introduced an eight-page resolution this week to impeach Attorney General William Barr, Congressman Stephen, Steve Cohen. Uh, the congressman represents the Ninth um, District in Tennessee and is a senior member of the House Judiciary Committee. And he's also the chairman of the Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties. Nice Welcome. to be with you. Thank you, Thank you for joining Welcome. us. Welcome. A little slower. It took me a few seconds to realize what November 4th was. And I thought, it's not November 4th, it's July the 2nd. But I get it now. <laughs> oh, you got it. Good. Right. Um, and so our second guest um, is the Vice President of Policy and Litigation at Common Cause, Paul S. Ryan. Uh, Common Cause has more than 1 million members and supporters with a presence in 30 states and Washington, D.C., of course. Um, Common Cause has been calling for Barr's impeachment since the end of last year. So welcome, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks to you both and welcome to the stage. And once again, welcome to everyone out there, not just the, uh, the people who are participating on the Shindig platform, but those uh, that, that are part of the streaming, live streaming with Facebook and, and YouTube. We really appreciate uh, all of you uh, taking part. So let's get right down uh, to it. Um, Congressman Cohen, uh, what are you trying to do here? Uh, I, I don't, I can't imagine that you're uh, anticipating that the Congress comes to a halt, not that it's moving that fast at the moment, but uh, particularly in the midst of a pandemic with the numbers going badly on that front. Um, is it, is it the, to, to put more focus on the corruption led by the Attorney General and the horrible alienation of career people at DOJ and his meddling in uh, 
prosecutions of the president's cronies. And I mean, clearly, I think if you if you if you went into your Democratic caucus and 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 those meetings are closed meetings, and you didn't ask for a resolution necessarily, but just said how many are in favor of seeing Barr go? What would that number look like? It would be almost unanimous, wouldn't it? Close to us. We we have we have thirty eight coastal hunters right now, but there are more people that will probably be joining and. Some probably are just a little bit uh, concerned about ruffling feathers because there was a couple of feathers ruffled uh, because of the introduction of this. But but we've got a distinguished group of co-sponsors uh, from uh, Joe Kennedy Jr. to uh, three of the members of the squad to uh, Maxine Waters and uh, Nydia Velasquez and John Yarmouth and Richie Neal, all, all chairs of committees and uh, several Distinguished judiciary members, Eric Swalwell, David Cicilline, uh, and, and others. So we, we've got a representative crew. Uh, what you said is exactly right. We want to bring attention to what Bill Barr has done, the, the Justice Department, the damage he's done to the rule of law. And no better time to do it than here on the eve of the 4th of July. Uh, something that uh, brave, brave, brave men did to sign the Declaration of Independence and put their necks on the chopping block from King George so that we'd have a of law, and a, not a rule of man, and we're getting back to that. And, and Barr has been working with Trump to see that we have favoritism and not impartial justice. He's done that with Flynn. He's done it with Stone. Um, he's tried, I think he, that's the reason he got rid of Berman in the Southern District of New York. He trampled on the First Amendment in Lafayette Park uh, to be power and tried to obstruct justice. I think in the way he handled the Mueller report. So with the and there's and there's, and there's more hits that you can mention. He's, uh, he's, he's awful, and I'm happy to be here with Common Cause, and I thank them for their efforts and their work. And just one more for you before Abby, uh, we return to Abby for a question. Um, it's not as though you woke up one day and you were the only person in the country that thought that Barr should go. I mean, there, I think 80% of his uh, GW law school, 80% of the faculty there, I think, has asked for him to go. I mean, there are all sorts of people. Uh, in business community, in the in the uh, advocacy community, and 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 as well as in Congress, that say he should go. So this is not a novel idea, really. Uh, a lot of the country is sick of this guy, right? But but I think what you're correct me if I'm wrong. What you're trying to do is say uh, a generation from now or two, uh, when children grow up and look back and say, what in the world were they doing? What were they thinking? Look how this guy was behaving. I think. Aren't you really trying to answer those questions a bit? Well, we are, and we, that's why we drafted our resolution and putting in a lot of the things that he's done. And we also want to continue discussions like we're having here on November 4th so the American public will know what's been going on and, and, and the abuses that have taken place. Uh, I'm the chair of the subcommittee on the Constitution, and if it's, if the chair of the subcommittee on the Constitution and the Judiciary Committee of the House doesn't stand up to these abuses, who is? And so, I mean, there was some pushback, brushback from uh, uh, some leadership folk, but uh, it needed to be done. And I think uh, we want to have the discussion and we want the people to know the dangerous, dangerous territory and that we're putting that we're uh, on right now. Great, Abby. So, so speaking of the people, um, so Common Cause, as we said, has about 1.2 million members um, and, of course, works with other groups, grassroots social justice organizations as well. Um, and so you all have, since December, been advocating for um, William Barr to be impeached. 
Um, and your letter that you sent to every single member of Congress last December um, touched on Russian interference. It touched on the Ukraine whistleblower complaint, um, the census citizenship questions, um, mischaracteri mischaracterization of the Mueller report. Um, Paul, can you walk us through some of those, um, the most compelling arguments for impeachment that you laid out for members of Congress? Sure. And I would characterize the legal bases for impeachment, three categories, obstruction of justice, abuse of power, and failure to faithfully execute his office of attorney general. And it's important for everyone to understand that the office of the attorney general was created about 230 years ago by the Judiciary Act of 1789. And that statute makes clear that the attorney general serves the United States, not the president. This is not the president's attorney. And Attorney General Barr has made clear in his 17 or so months in that position that he first and foremost has been serving the interests of President Trump, not the interests of the American people. So I think in December, we had finally reached our breaking point as an organization at Common Cause when we learned of the extent to which Attorney General Barr had obstructed the um, Ukraine gate investigation and the whistleblower complaint, withholding from Congress the whistleblower can complaint that by statute, the, the uh, whistleblower complaint was required to be provided to Congress. The bar as attorney general, his DOJ, they refused to provide that whistleblower complaint. They obstructed justice in that process. But as you mentioned, Abigail, we detail four different grounds for mm -hmm. impeachment of attorney general Barr in the letter we sent to Congress in December. Um, undermining, Attorney General Barr undermined the Inspector General's review of the 2016 Russia investigation for election interference. Uh, the Office of the Inspector General, an independent agency within the executive branch, determined that beginning under President um, Obama, there was sufficient, sufficient justification for investigating the Trump campaign for possible collusion with Russia and Russia for interfering in our 2016 election. Um, and when the Office of Inspector General released its report, Barr publicly rejected its findings. And he did so for partisan reasons to um, help President Trump. In doing so, I think he not only um, exonerated Trump for any possible collusion or assistance he received from Russia, but he also effectively encouraged similar interference in US elections in 2020. Barr has done nothing in his role to stop foreign interference in the 2020 election. Um, we don't know yet the extent to which that's going on or the extent to which it will happen in the months to come, but Attorney General Barr has failed to meet his responsibility of protecting our elections from foreign interference. Uh, we, as I already mentioned, another ground was Barr's interference in the Ukraine gate investigation and withholding from Congress the whistleblower complaint. A third grounds, Barr defied congressional subpoenas in the U.S. Uh, census citizenship question matter. And this is a case that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Our U.S. Supreme Court, um, which is, as everyone knows, has a conservative majority, found that the Trump administration and specifically Secretary Wilbur Ross's um, plan to include on the, on the census a question about citizenship uh, found that it was justified on a pretextual basis, that the justification given by the DOJ was contrived, and William Barr refused to turn over the documents to Congress that were subpoenaed uh, and that would have made clear the lie that Wilbur Ross was telling 
to the courts and the public, that the DOJ had requested that the Census Bureau put the citizenship question on the census. It wasn't true. Barr obstructed those investigations. Uh, Abigail, you mentioned is mischaracterization, Barr's mischaracterization of the Mueller report. This took place over, this, over a period of several weeks, actually more than a month. Um, con uh, Special Counsel Mueller gave to William Barr his very thorough and very lengthy report. And rather than passing that on to Congress, Barr sat on it for a month. He held a press conference in which he spun and mischaracterized the contents of that report. Uh, in fact, on the day after Attorney General Barr published a letter, sent a letter to Congress effectively exonerating Trump, Mueller sent a letter to Barr saying, you've mischaracterized the contents mm -hmm. of my report, urging William Barr to make the entire report available to Congress and to the public. Barr sat on it for a month and spun its contents. Um, so so, so if so if we if we I mean that's a pretty pretty broad and deep uh, and well done indictment. Uh, but if we if we let's just assume that uh, there's not going to be any uh, long formal impeachment uh, proceedings, right? Um, we want to get to the the questions of of on November fourth, Trump is gone, Barr is gone. We want to get to the how do we reimagine what a country with a real rule of law and a real uh, uh, justice, honest uh, justice system looks like? But before that, as, as you all know, uh, when Nelson Mandela uh, was elected and took power in South Africa, one of the first things he did was to create a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to look at what had gone on the previous years. Uh, when uh, the young uh, king his Majesty in Morocco, when his just after his father passed away, and he uh, went to, to become ascended to the throne, he very courageously convened a, a commission, sort of modeled on the Mandela model. I guess in a more perfect world where we had Republicans that that were conscientious about those things, we could have a bipartisan look back, starting on November fourth, uh, Congressman, as to. Uh, you know, the damage that had been done, because it seems severe enough, doesn't it, that it would warrant that sort of investigation? I, I think it does, Toby, and I think that's, you know, people have talked about that in terms of, of race in America, and, and that's something that I've championed with my apology uh, for Jim Crow and, and slavery that we did pass in the House in 08, and the hope was to have some type of a, of a commission kind of to go into all that, but you're right about the, the tyranny of the last four years, the abuse of law, the abuse of the rule of law, the obstruction of justice, uh, all of these things that, that has taken place, they do need to be uh, basically spoon-fed to the American public so they'll know how, how close we can to totally abandoning the, the, the precepts and the, and, the, and the principles of this nation. And we're seeing it right now. Uh, it was very well laid out uh, by, by, by your common cause guest. Uh, the census is something we didn't have in our resolution, but that's certainly another factor. The mm -hmm. Mueller report's the thing that put out, and, and how he misled the American public for over a month, and then even when he did release it, he took another three hours to mislead the American public. And and, and, and Mueller specifically said, "I do not exonerate him." Uh, specifically said that, and and so and it was just a, awful what he did. And it's obvious what he's doing is just putting Trump above the law and Trump's friends above the law. So. A type of commission to go into that would be important. Whether we can do it November 5th is another issue. They still will have a majority in the Senate, and they'll still be doing 
as they said in Placing Saddles, that voodoo that you do so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Paul, so also going back to that idea, so this show is definitely about a citizen's dialogue around reimagining um, what this country can be the day after, hopefully, Trump is um, kicked out of office. But um, Paul, I'm wondering what you all are doing at the grassroots level um, to um, keep this focus on Barr and his behavior and um, just start thinking about moving forward. What do we want to see on November 4th? Um, I'll circle back to the grassroots question in a second, but I also want to mention that if President Trump is defeated in November, Common Cause is a nonpartisan organization. We don't have a position on the election. But if President Trump is defeated in November, there will be a new attorney general in mm -hmm. January. And the next attorney general and an independent, credible Department of Justice can and should hold President Trump accountable for the crimes he has committed that Attorney General Barr has protected him or shielded him from. I'm talking about the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels okay. and Karen McDougal that helped him get elected in 2016. We just learned within the last week that William Barr interfered in the Southern District of New York's consideration and investigation of those crimes. Right. Um, so the news continues to come out. The story continues to unfold about ways in which William Barr has obstructed justice. The statute of limitations on Trump's campaign finance crimes in 2016 is five years. That means a new Department of Justice, a new attorney general will have eight, seven, eight months in the minimum, and for one and some of them going up to uh, 10 or 11 months to bring prosecutions against President Trump for his campaign finance crimes. The same crimes that Michael Cohen has served prison time for, his own lawyer. So um, that in terms of accountability on November 4th and beyond, January of 2021 and beyond, the next Department of Justice can hold people accountable for what was done over the past four years. Mm -hmm. Grassroots, so Common Cause is investing a lot of energy right now at the grassroots level into what we call our election protection work. And we're doing this in coalition with a bunch of other organizations that have long protected voting rights in the United States. And what does this mean? This means ensuring that every voter from coast to coast fighting for the right of every voter from coast to coast to cast a ballot safely and securely in the primaries that are yet to come and in the November general election. And this is not a given, as you all know, as everyone who's, who's listening in today knows, it, we've had to fight just to get people uh, the right to cast their ballots in the primaries. And we haven't won all of those fights. There have mm -hmm. been very dangerous in, um, elections held, primaries in Wisconsin and elsewhere. So aside from the sort of William Barr accountability work, we're really focused on making sure folks, voters can exercise their right to vote this year so that we will hopefully have a different attorney general in January. Um, and in terms of the accountability work, I'll just say that our more than a million members and supporters, they're all in agreement with Common Cause that William Barr should be impeached, that William Barr has committed impeachable offenses, he should be thrown out of office. This is one of the issues that resonates best with our membership base. Every time we've communicated with our members about this over the past uh, six, seven months, resounding support. Thank you for doing this work on behalf of us. Mm -hmm. That's what—that's the communication mm -hmm. we get back from our members and supporters. And it put us in a position last year of saying, we just need to call for his impeachment, even though we did so at the height of the Trump impeachment proceedings. Mm -hmm. It was um, it wasn't an easy call, but we're, we have the luxury as a nonpartisan organization to do what we think is right for the American people and for democracy and not being constrained by political considerations. Oh, should we be bringing this up now when, when Congress is focused on Trump? 
we just said we need to we need to call for Barr's impeachment because it's the right thing for democracy. Mm-hmm. Let's let's suppose that um, that uh, President-elect Biden creates his transition teams, and obviously there's one on the Justice Department. So it's not just a matter of a new Attorney General, right? And they come to you two guys, Congressman and Paul, to serve on that transition. And they say, here's what we really need. Not just a recommendation for who should be the next Attorney General, but what should justice look like? What should what should be done with this Justice Department that's had been hollowed out of so many career, courageous public servants? Uh, what should be done about... Uh, you know, the, all the meddling that the attorney general has done and so forth. What, what kind of uh, congressman, what kind of uh, advice would you picture giving them? Well, there, there's you know, certain things we can do adjust and improve upon the first act and see that there's prison reform and all those type of issues we need to do. But as far as the Justice Department as a body, you know, I, I guess transparency is one of the things we can insist upon. And uh, it's going to be personnel in that aren't going to have, I mean, they can put in the right people that believe in transparency. I believe that, that, that Joe Biden will see to it. We have an attorney general and his appointed U.S. attorneys that are appointed through recommendations for senators and representatives, et cetera, will have those values that will be the right values for the Justice Department. I'm not sure what legally we need to do. Um, well, what do you think? One thing I would add to that is restoring the credibility of independent oversight, not only within the Department of Justice, Mm -hmm. but throughout the executive branch, because President Trump has systematically dismantled that independent oversight by firing inspectors general in a bunch of different agencies. So one legislative fix, for example, is to pass legislation that only allows a president to replace or fire an inspector general for cause. That's the type, that type of protection exists for a very small number of people in those positions. The Postal Service Inspector General, for example, can only be fired for cause. Most inspectors general, who again, serve a really critically important role of independently overseeing the operations of these executive branch agencies, in most instances, they can be fired for any reason. And President Trump has taken advantage of that. And he's axed a bunch of inspectors general across the board. We need to strengthen protections for inspectors general. Paul, an excellent point, and I agree with you, but, you know, we just had a case where the Elizabeth Warren financial oversight crowd, that was supposed to only be fired for cause, and the Supreme Court said, uh, no, he can fire him for any reason he wants. So as long as we're stuck with the Supreme Court, uh, with Justice Roberts, who I've got faith in, we're in trouble, because we can pass all the laws we want, and if you've got a corrupt guy at the top, or a corrupt gal at the top, Olivia, y'all don't get out of this. Uh, uh, you can't. There's only so much you can do, and this guy will yeah. do anything. He has law. He's trampled on it. He hasn't. We can't do oversight. Uh, Bar doesn't come before the judiciary committee. Uh, they won't su- subpoena them. They don't comply with subpoenas. Uh, you can pass all the laws you want, but uh, we've we've run into to, to brick walls. I I think we should have used inherent contempt, which we've got. Maybe we need to draw up the inherent contempt statute. Uh, in a better way. But the problem you've got is, uh, you know, we're in charge and hopefully we don't need to use inherent contempt for their own people. But uh, he's got really the most corrupt person in the history of the country and, and uh, in charge who will just, uh, is a bull. And he's got a, a, a bull behind him in bar and they are just uh, running roughshod over every, every law you can pass. And we're going to, we're going to go to uh, questions from the audience in a moment. So let me just, 
uh, alert everyone that if you have a question, um, you can click on the, uh, qu the question mark on your screen or the raise your hand uh, button and you can submit your question. You, could, you can come to the stage or you can submit it in writing. But if, you, if you're planning on doing that, uh, we think it uh, would be a good idea for you to start to do it now. Abby? Yeah, that's right. Um, so before we um, start taking questions, uh, just one last, well, um, one last question that we'd like to ask any of our guests is, um, what else really needs to be done on November 4th and beyond, of course, January, if um, we have a new president, um, to restore faith in rule of law in this country? What other big picture things should we be looking at? We need to we need to pass the uh, Voting Rights Act to uh, reinstate it. I think that's uh -huh. one of the major things we need to do upon which democracy rests is is uh, voting, and and people are being denied the, the franchise, and they're doing all kind of things to dissuade people from voting. And all this all argument against mail-in ballots is just try to limit the vote. Uh, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's, I think it's it'll hurt him electorally, but I also think he's setting up a. a uh, an argument to claim that the election was not fair. So, you know, there's a couple of methods he's going, but that's one of the first things we do is to, to pass the, the VRA. Yeah, and I, you know, one of the, yeah, go ahead, Paul, sorry. I agree completely with Representative Cohen and I'll build on it. Um, in January, the House er, in legislation, HR1 was introduced that is a huge omnibus democracy reform package. It's got voting rights, it's got campaign finance reform, it's got ethics reform. Um, it passed the House. It has not passed the Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, in a new Congress with a new president, we need to pass that legislation because it affects so many of our institutions of government and democracy and would strengthen them. Yeah, we might also add uh, for, for people watching and whether it's live streaming on Facebook or YouTube or on the Shindig platform, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't, if we didn't uh, remind everyone uh, about the Senate races, which are so important. Uh, uh, Paul, I know your organization can't get involved in, in that stuff, but uh, well, I know Congressman Cohen cares a lot about it because this House, under this great leadership of Speaker Pelosi, as happened, by the way, when, when Steve was a freshman back in 07, passed one bill after another, one mega bill after another, one historic bill after another, and they go over to the Senate, and they hit the wall, and they fall to the floor. So you know, there's Senate races out there like Cal Cunningham in North Carolina and uh, uh, Phillips in Iowa and Sarah, the speaker, taking on uh, Nancy, uh, Susan Collins and 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 so forth. The, the Montana race, I, I think Arizona and Colorado are looking looking quite good. But so we need people to focus on that as well. So, um, Abby, are we ready for audience questions? Yeah. So as a reminder, um, everyone in the audience, um, make sure that you you can submit a written question by clicking the question mark on your screen, or you can raise your hand if you'd like to come up to the stage to ask a live question. Um, so we'll give folks a few minutes or 30 seconds really um, to do that. It's a new platform, so we get it. <laughs> while, while we're, while we're uh, uh, waiting for the questions though, uh, um, Congressman, you have that subcommittee uh, Constitution, what's it called Constitution and Civil Rights. And the one you chair, three. Civil Liberties. Yeah, um, 
how have you found having so many freshmen, most mostly freshmen women, on that subcommittee, and how has it sort of energized the whole thing? Well, there, we've got an enthusiastic group of freshmen. We've got a great freshman class, and people like Madeline Dean, Mary Gates Scanlon, and uh, 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 Miss Escobar, Veronica Escobar is great, Miss Garcia. We've got some great women uh, on freshmen. Then we have good, good people in general. Val Demings is a, a great member. Uh, Delaney Swalwell, we've got a good team. But the freshmen have really been stars. Jonah Goose is a good one. Quite a few of them are women, and they've done a great job. They're enthusiastic. They've got good backgrounds, good experience. They bring a lot to the committee. And just as much, you know, we, there's a lot of members that have got a lot of, uh, of face time on these uh, intelligence issues. So we've got several people like Fanberger, and, uh, uh, who's been a uh, uh, CIA uh, um, agent, and uh, the lady up in, in Michigan. Uh, they, 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 they've got background. Slotkin, yeah. Yeah, and then there, and there are others that have military background. But we've got people with judicial background, too. It's just a great class, and they brought a lot of enthusiasm. They were really gung-ho to impeach uh, Mueller, excuse me, to impeach Barr based on the Mueller report. And then we just never got But they were thrilled yeah. with the opportunity to participate and to try to get that done. Okay. Uh, if there are, are there any questions? If there are none, yes. Toby, around you, I got Olivia, but it's Abby. I'm sorry. They sound similar. They sound similar. Um, so again, if you all have questions, please. Um, okay, I see a raised hand. Um, gonna spotlight Ruth Sarden. Um, can I do a new podium? Oops. Swap podium. Okay. Hi, Ruth. Ruth, we are unable to hear you. <laughs> Let me see. Let's try again. Ruth, can you hear us? Oh, we can't hear you. Do you want to submit your question in the um, question box? Okay. <laughs> okay, we're gonna give Ruth a second to submit her question. If there are others, um, please type your questions away, or we can also um, put, bring you up on stage. That's the beauty of this platform. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm not seeing a question from Ruth, um, but you know, as you know, this is an ongoing discussion. Um, we will have several additional conversations. There's a lot to revision for this country. Um, and so we'll be back in the next week or two um, and we will keep you all posted. Um, I'd like to thank Congressman Cohen for joining us and Paul, um, Brian for also joining us today. Um, we've really appreciated your insights. Um, you've given us a lot to think about in terms of accountability, transparency, 
voting rights. Um, again, there's a lot of work to do. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to everybody out there. Thanks a lot. See you next time. Thank See you, you next time. Thank you for having us. Thanks.